Previously on Alien Chimera. Floating out through the darkness of space, a ship called the Chimera. Here is another round. The power loader battle arena. Your adrenaline kicks in and you just shove him backwards. And with a clang, the loader <gasps> hits the ground. And people start cheering. And I won? You won. Yeah. Fuck yeah! <laughs> And then all of a sudden, orange lights begin to flash in the cargo bay. About five feet on either side of the Marines, you see a small raised area. They look like the bases of walls. You reach the center of the valley. This is obviously not a hill. It's made of metal. The side of the dome opens up. Two doors slide back. Deep in this room is this large pillar-like structure and it begins to light up like a computer, some sort of odd computer. Hello, and welcome to the Rolmageddon podcast, the Alien Chimera campaign. We're using Free League's Alien RPG system, and we are using five players as meat shields versus... The enemies that I choose to throw at them. I am Jason. I am the Game Master. Now, would each of you like to introduce yourselves, like your IRL selves, and uh, your character you're going to be playing tonight, because last game you played different characters. Hi, I'm Molly Oblivion, and tonight I'll be playing Desiree Pepplewood. Hi, I'm Ali Tariani, and I'll be playing Hal Tui Sagan. Oh, hi. I'm Mel, and I will be playing Olivia <clears throat> Egg. Hi, I'm Jordy, and I'll be playing Teddy Ezra. Hi, I'm Sam, and I'll be playing Dr. Arthur Turing. And, of course, none of you actually mentioned what your careers are. You didn't tell oh, us to, man. <laughs> you actually just asked us to introduce our IRL selves. <laughs> and, and then say the character the we're character playing. playing. We did exactly what you asked. We just gave the name. Didn't care about <laughs> the rest. Didn't specify. I'm Teddy Ezra, and I'm a kid. <laughs> <laughs> Should we give a round two? I'm Desiree Pepplewood, and I'm a company agent who sounds sometimes like I'm 70 years old and sometimes like I'm not. I'm Molly Oblivion, and I play Desiree Pepperwood, <laughs> company agent. I'm Molly, and I'm playing some kind of redneck. I'm not <laughs> so <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. Did you want this to be like a professional, like... Like normal. I'm game. going to kill you all. <laughs> I, I just I take comfort in the fact that I will be able to murder you all one by one. Do you want us to go again and introduce our, our uh No. <laughs> Too late. Onward. We ruined it. <laughs> so uh first of all, a couple of quick issues with the first episode. Uh number one, I got my timeline wrong and the way I explained it, um certain things happened that were supposed to happen after Aliens and Alien 3, and uh, the timeline I gave actually had them happening before then, which would have made zero sense. So I just bumped you up by three years. It's 2190, not 2187. So it's 11 years following the events of Aliens and Alien 3. Do our characters age up accordingly? Like, No, I just shifted everything. Oh, okay. Yeah, it all works out. I was just thinking maybe like we lost time, like Earth time, and you know, like the next thing you know, we wake up and we're three years older. Time dilation. Totally, Sid yes. Mr. <laughs> you flip through a black hole. But no one acknowledges it, ever. Ever, no. It was a a malfunction with the nanites. And someone's (laughs) a different actor, and we just never acknowledge (laughs) it as well. 
Terrence Howard isn't here for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> for some reason, now it's Don Cheadle. <laughs> uh, the other issue was, so last game, I did not have any of you actually describe your characters. So they're just kind of faceless lumps at this point. Oh. Well, when you when they come back, we'll just have them describe it. I'm going to remember to actually have you describe what your characters look like this time. Otherwise, it's just a voice. So last time, let's see what happened. There was a robot fight, or rather a power loader fight. Sid Hardesty claimed rank three from her rival. People were doing stuff, you know. Wow. Science guy doing science Mm -hmm. stuff. Pilot girl doing pilot stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was exciting. Excellent recap. Just top notch. 10 out of 10. Eventually, there was an orange alert, which meant that an anomaly had been found. So everybody in cryostasis has woken up. Everybody gets to their stations. They eventually form a scouting recon group, and they send them down. And what you discovered that this anomaly, unlike the eight previous times, was actually an anomaly and not just a glitch in the system. You found what appeared to be the remains of an ancient and most likely not human-crafted construction with one single building intact in the center. When you approached it, doors opened, and inside... A room, empty, all except for a very large, very strangely shaped pillar. And that's where we left off. However, we have to step back in time just a little bit, because you're not quite to the pillar yet. Dr. Arthur Turing. Yeah. (laughs) You're one of those few people on board the vessel who works both shifts. You don't get to spend any time in the cryo chamber because you are the chief scientist in charge of the nanites, and you are expected to be working on them at all times, mm-hmm. making sure that they behave properly and constantly searching for new ways to improve them. Ooh. <laughs> would you like to describe <clears throat> in as much detail as you would like um, Dr. Arthur Turing? Dr. Arthur Turing is a scientist in charge of nanotechnology. He looks sort of like an old George Takei mixed with Vincent Price. Ooh. Kind of talks the same. He's very professional, very well-spoken. Uh, he also is very antisocial, does not care for people very much, just really likes to be absorbed in his work. A good scientist. People uh, people are nothing but lab rats. That's what I always say right before I start a game. True. Anyway, you are currently in a specialized lab- laboratory known as the Lion's Maw. This is where the nanites are kept primarily. You still have nanites that you use for experiments and so forth, but this is where they are stored. It is a large round room with only one exit. It's situated at sort of top center of the ship. A guard is posted outside at all times. And above, the entire ceiling of this room is an airlock. Gear-like teeth mark the point of separation, hence giving its nickname as the Lion's Maw. Mm. Now, not only does the room act as a place to house the Ninites, but it also manufactures them. All the equipment there that builds them up, albeit at a rather slow pace, is all located in there. It also happens to be the most effective weapon aboard the Chimera. If an enemy ship were to attack and there were no options to fight or flee, the nanites could be released en masse against an opponent. They are reprogrammed with a sort of special disassembly protocols. The airlock opens, 
all of the nanites there head out whatever enemy ship is approaches and they basically tear it down bit by bit until it's venting air and everybody inside just suffocates or gets sucked out into space or all that stuff. It's a rather nasty Ooh. weapon. However, it's sort of a last resort because the nanites manufacture at a slow enough rate that if you were to do something like that, an emergency, it would take at least a week to get back to a level of nanites where it could actually um, be effective and be functional. Did you have a question, person who's seen it's not? I do have a question <laughs> about the nanites. I'm sorry. Um, do the nanites disassemble um, organic tissue as well, or is it simply... They can be programmed to disassemble organic tissue. Primarily, they disassemble, store the materials, and then use them to build other materials. Um, so if you wanted to go in and fuck with the programming, you could possibly get them to attack humans or other organics. Could they discern between a human material and non-human? They would discern whatever their to. programming told them to. Okay, but they but they do have the ability to be selective in what they go after. Uh, yeah. So if you if you I mean if you if you released them out of ship, they wouldn't just like dissolve everything. They would work on like the hull, basically. Yeah, they'd you'd probably you'd seek they'd, out metal. Yeah, yeah, that be doesn't a, match mm-hmm. probably. So, the, but, like, but, but, the but it, it wouldn't be one of those things where like a nanite would get into you and just start disassembling no, your person. No. No. That would only be if like really. someone was experimenting with mm-hmm. those and had only them programmed that way. Just sorry, I was just 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 curious about the uh, the imp- the implications of the nanites on the ship, um, and as far as maybe uh, an artificial life form. Um, oh, yeah. Do they discern? Well, they don't just run around willy nilly disassembling everything that happens to be around me. They might eat all the like yeah, metal controlled. components out I just, of you. I just want to know whether the organic. whether Hal should have a healthy fear of the nanites. I'd say or, yeah, because they will eat not. your bones. Okay, yeah. no, you don't have to worry about them. They're programmed to do very specific things. Okay, so they're not like it's not just like oh, it's out, you're fucked. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, you're fine. Sorry, you, no, you were no, describing no. it. And I was like, I'm just, I'm just no, no. so curious about it now while yeah, yeah. while we're on the topic of it. So, Dr. Turing, you're currently doing an inspection, as you do a weekly, uh, of the the Lion's Maw and the nanite storage facilities, nanite manufacturing, etc., and just making sure that everything's up to speed. Would you like to do anything specific or interesting? I will do my normal inspection. Okay. That I do all the time, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, yes. every week. Yes, I will do my normal weekly inspection. Make a contact <laughs> roll. So do I do wits plus contact together? Uh, yeah, whatever yeah. Uh, ability yep. it's, it's under. Two, four, six, eight. <laughs> I rolled two successes. All right, you go through, inspect everything, set the programming, all the reports, so forth and so on. Here I go. Everything appears to be in working order. You have a nice full supply of nanites. Um, Those that are being extracted for your research and for a certain Dr. Norman Ezra's research um, are replaced at a rather quick rate. And everything appears to be peachy keen. And as you're sitting there finishing up your inspection, all of a sudden the lights turn orange. There's an orange alert. There is an anomaly present, which is your signal to get to the bridge and do what you do and wait for them to give a report and see if it's worth a damn to investigate. 
Great. I head to the bridge. Briskly. Professionally. You head your way to the bridge. (laughs) (laughs) Just like this. It's my stroll. My business stroll. All about the business. Hopefully the listeners heard that. (laughs) For some reason. Hopefully they can see what you were doing. (laughs) Hear that emote. Yep. I picture you having a cane for some reason. I mean, I am an older man, but I still walk very spry. And for yeah. all the listeners, his movements were very jauntily. Yeah, Just very, very lovely, business-like, motivated. Uh, kind of putting mobility. me in mind of like Jim Carrey power walking and Yes Man, though. I'm, yeah, There's a little, little bit. bit of that. Yeah. I'm really seeing a top hat and a monocle and like yeah. a cane with like a maybe like an ivory ball on. I mean, the I do kind of like the cane idea, but yeah. I'll have a cane. Yeah. You have a cane. Screw like it. I have a cane. <laughs> he just like hates them. All right. Meanwhile, Desiree Wincott. Oh, shit. It's not Desiree Wincott. Oh, sorry. Anymore. Pepperwood. Pepperwood. Desiree, Desiree Pepperwood. I know it's need I to be changed. Maybe I'd forgotten to change her name, but no, it was you. It was your fault. Shame on you. <laughs> Sorry. Horrible, horrible game mother. Don't call me by my old married name. <laughs> Getting into character, are we? Yes, three that. marriages ago. Wincott was his name and I murdered. <laughs> Went back to my family name. I had to put Michael down. His voice was just far too sexy. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, much like Dr. Turing, you are also... On both A and B shifts. You don't get any time in the cryo sleep because you're always inspecting the ship. You're the one and only official representative of Phoenix Corp on board the Chimera. You you're welcome. Make sure All of you. <laughs> you need to make sure that the company's expectations are being met. Would you like to describe for our audience this uh, Desiree Pepperwood? Yes, of course. Uh, Desiree Pepperwood looks very similar to a female version of Carrie Elwes from the 1990s hit film Twister. Oh my god. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> Think smarmy, a little sexy, dressed in all black, of course. Uh, I'm not sure if that's canon for the Phoenix Corporation, but she's very well kempt, attractive. You know, not not doesn't smile much, but when she does, you know she's she's doing it condescendingly. <laughs> That's Desiree Pepperwood. Carrie, Carrie, Carrie always had had a sister in Twister. All right, a twisted sister. A twisted sister. <laughs> yes. Nice. Eighties <laughs> uh, reference. <laughs> um, so you're currently in your quarters. You're going over the day's paperwork as usual. Flipping through useless, annoying reports on behavioral issues, maintenance, supply requests, systems checks, etc., etc., etc. There's rarely anything interesting, but it is your job to make sure that no oddities crop up, things that others would normally notice, or things that might compromise the mission. So you have to go through this routine every night of flipping through all the wonderful reports that come your way. The time that passes for night aboard the ship is approaching. So, you know, your day is almost over. You have to take a nap or go drinking or whatever it is that Desiree does. I don't drink. <laughs> I don't, don't drink. I don't have time. <laughs> I have no idea. I need ruffians drink. <clears throat> <laughs> ruffians. Yes. Eels. 
Youths. Street youths. <laughs> <laughs> so as you're finishing up your paperwork for the night, the orange alert goes off. The lights start flashing. An anomaly has been detected. And even though it's just likely to be nothing, like the eight times before that this has happened, your duty is to attend to the bridge and await the official recon so that the company's eyes are on everything. I do that. <laughs> All right. Yes. <laughs> I, I hustle to the bridge. All right. You step out of your quarters, make your way down the hall, and coming down a junctioning hall and r- almost right into you, you see the chief scientist, Dr. Arthur Turing, chief scientist in charge of the nanite. Oh, Dr. Turing, I love your cane. Is that new? Oh, thank you, Miss Pepper. Oh, my. It is new. (laughs) I seem to crowdsource the new cane out of nowhere. Miss Pepperwood, always a pleasure. To the bridge, are Uh, you going? Seems so. I hope everything's all right. Me too. No more nanites of mine need to be wasted on fruitless defensive efforts. Oh, here, here. Shall we? Indeed. We hustle to the bridge together. All right. Make your way down a long hall until you reach the doorway that leads to the bridge. A crudely painted dragon has been uh, artistically added to the front of the door. Is that, was that sanctioned? Did somebody ask for permission? It was not sanctioned, as a matter of fact. Uh, but the captain hasn't seemed to given any orders to have it removed. It's a little bit of a joke amongst the crew, the chimera. So you have the lion's maw, you have the dragon's head, and people often refer to the cargo as the goat's ass. Desiree is <clears throat> displeased and will be filing some sort of complaint. <laughs> so unprofessional. I wish the captain would take order of the ship. I have no respect at all for this property, I swear. It's not even a good dragon. <laughs> I have a feeling these are the two characters that people are going to cheer when they die. There's <laughs> <laughs> oh. always that one. Oh, yeah. I also just picture like Whatever. this. We're besties, and I am okay with that. At least we'll go down together. They run into each other at the end of a long haul. They <laughs> greet each other. They're going the same way, and then they walk in silence the whole <laughs> time yeah. until they get to something of note that's different than the normal things that they would stare at silence and at. Like, and they're well, just like, mean, "Whoa!" Yeah, like, why would we waste our time with like frivolous chit chat? Yeah. We have a we're on a mission. We're in, yeah, 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 no, but that's like that's totally what I pictured. <laughs> We're not just some kid running around the ship and nothing to do. Yeah, seriously. Why do people just let their spawn children run around? run around freely as well? <laughs> some order needs to be taken of this ship. So unprofessional. And speaking of kids, Olivia Egg Bowers. You are the daughter to two of the engineering crew on board the Chimera. Uh, you, by uh, by proxy, by proxy is that the right word? Your parents are all A-shifters, so they're still asleep right now. But you, due to the fact that they're your parents, you're an A-shifter as well. Which means you're supposed to stay asleep for another ten days, but the orange alert has sounded. And the cryo chambers are opening. You're the only child on the entire ship, unless you count Dr. Norman Ezra's sixth son, who happens to be in cryostasis 98% of the time. So you've never actually even met his son probably just walked by and seen him in the cryo ch- chamber. Uh, yes, Desiree, you have a question. I just wanted to let you know that you did use proxy correctly. Oh, well, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. Car- carry on. <laughs> so you wake up to the glowing orange light in the room. You recognize it. It's a sign that there's an anomaly, maybe some alien. 
you know, maybe the ship has run into the Heart of Gold, or some being attacked by some sort of Vogon space fleet. I could only dream. Maybe Arthur Dent has accidentally hitchhiked on board and they're hunting him down right now. You know, this is the day she's been waiting for. This is absolutely the day. It's the day to seize. So unfortunately, um, the other eight times you've had an orange alert, there has been no exciting alien activity. It's just a bunch of people running around and then eventually you go back to sleep or continue. No, that's okay. I'm ready. I have my go bag. I have my (laughs) e-reader. I have my flashlight i have a laser pointer i have a towel i have a mini a towel (laughs) i am ready to go why is that strange child always carrying that towel around i don't get it why does she have a crayon and just write 42 everywhere we don't understand this is bunker 39 (laughs) you guys are psychotic in either case your cryo chamber opens and you kind of groggily raise up out of it wiping off the uh, months-long sleep. And you look around and you see that your parents, mother and father, are currently getting ready, getting dressed. And as you climb out of the pod, they walk over to you, and your father puts his hand on your head, pats your head, and says, Well, we've got to get to our posts. Don't get in any trouble. If you have any problems, just ask one of the security constables for help. And then they leave. They don't make sure you're dressed. They don't make sure that you've had breakfast or anything. Just head off to their job. So you're standing there in the crowd chamber, the last one there. What do you do? So I'm sitting here, and I'm like, I could I could go back to sleep and get some, like, real, like, five more minutes. Or I could go and find my charger cable that I lost last time I was out and... So I can get back to, like, chapter 8, which is my favorite chapter. But, uh, you know, a little bit of debate. And I decide to go wandering off looking for that charge cable because it's not like this is anything. And I'd rather go back to my book. All right. Eventually you find yourself on the search for your charge cable in the cargo bay where there seems to be a lot of activity. They're moving stuff out. And you find your cable and kind of post up where the roughnecks tend to ignore you. They just let, kind of let you climb on top, top of a stack of crates, like into sort of a back area where you'd be nice and, it's nice and quiet. Crates filled with stuff that people don't usually request. So Absolutely. Nooks and crannies. Those are the best reading spots. And the, uh, the roughnecks seem to respect that. Being a poor, only single child on the entire ship. Yeah, I can confirm. Sydney wouldn't mind. No. no. Sid's currently getting on a shuttle. Well, she wouldn't mind, though, if she were here. You run out of the shuttle to tell her that? I'm just, <laughs> fucking, I'm just fucking with you, Molly. <laughs> Listen. Yes. Listen. Roll. Just trying to add a little color, you know? <laughs> a little depth. Remind everyone that we're each playing two fucking characters. Like, that's not incredibly confusing. <laughs> just trying to help. Hey, I'm trying to make it work. <laughs> with different accents. Yes. <laughs> Licking text. <laughs> so you sink into a book. Meanwhile, Mr. Hal 2E Sagan, you are the only synthetic aboard the entire ship. Once the property of Whalen Yutani, when the Phoenix Research Colony revolted against their corporate overlords, the synthetics were reprogrammed to be on the side of Phoenix Corp. Uh, you just happen to have a 
programmer with a sense of humor and a love of old westerns. So your new personality ended up a bit odd, to say the least. You're currently, as always, patrolling the hallways of the Chimera. Um, did Egg describe herself? Oh, I don't think that she did. Oh, oh no. Did we not? No. Did um, we skip that? You guys got to remind me. <laughs> generic eight-year-old. <laughs> Endlessly generic. Like, you know, that light cut blonde hair that doesn't last past childhood. I'm picturing Matilda. Like Tangled. Little Mara Wilson. Yes. <laughs> Matilda. Oh, yes. There you go. Greedily. <laughs> but with chaos in ADHD. <laughs> with her Matilda with Hermione Granger's hair. <gasps> yes. There you go. So, all right. And then greedily clutching your e-reader <laughs> and a towel. <laughs> and a towel. Like a cape, but over her shoulder, like a Santa sack. Always at the ready right. to whip. So that's Egg. Hal or Tui. What do you prefer to be called, good sir? Um, he goes by Tui. All right, Tui. Uh, Tui. 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 Uh, Hal Tui Sagan. He's a uh, very similar in look to uh, Clint Eastwood. Um, he's actually kind of grizzled looking, um, older, like fifties Clint Eastwood. Um, he's dressed in a Long, um, almost like a cowboy, like duster, um, over, over which, um, he has, uh, a, a sheriff's badge uh, or a colonial marshal badge on the duster. Um, then he takes it off, puts it underneath. He's not wearing the duster and he's got a, a cowboy hat. Um, and he basically looks like your typical, uh, just strolled into town looking for a, uh, like an escaped prisoner, sheriff's marshal from 1840 or whatever, 1850. Uh, he's got, he's, you know, he's got boots. I mean, he's, 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 he takes it very seriously. It's probably become quite the attraction on uh, the Chimera. <laughs> uh, I think it's more of a joke, but I don't know that he gets that he's. <laughs> I think, I think he's happy to get the attention, but I don't, I think it's more of a joke than. So you are patrolling the hallways. This is pretty what you do. Pretty much what you do day and night. You have no need for sleep. No need to jump into the cryo chambers. Just an occasional recharge here and there. The day has been fairly uneventful. Uh, you, though you don't usually have any problems until after hours anyway. That's when the cargo crew, the marines, the pilots, they all get off their ship. They start drinking. They start fighting. And that's when you have to step in and start throwing people into the drunk tank. Because there's no real way to... Throw people into a permanent state of prison here unless they've done something very bad just because of the limited space. There's always that debate of whether you should just, you know, airlock them or not. So mostly it's just getting people to sober up. On this particular day, you're making way through your routine toward the cargo bay. You discover the bulkhead doors have been closed and sealed. There's a maintenance guy there. He's got some panels off the wall and uh, he's sort of looking through the wiring. Now, you know that this sort of thing happens about once a month. It also happens to coincide with a number of connected events, injuries to cargo workers, damage to equipment, particularly the power loaders, and a general change in attitude among certain segments of the ship, with some people being much happier and kind of throwing money around and other people being very grumpy. Uh, You're smart enough to know about the power loader fights, although your immediate superior, Keiko Uchida, who is the security chief on board, has not asked you to pursue the matter as of yet. So you're standing outside the cargo bay. The bulkhead doors are sealed. There's a maintenance guy there. What do you do? Uh, I might wait. <clears throat> Am I inside of the bay or outside? Outside. 
Okay. Um, uh, I'm going to interact with him. Okay. Um, uh, what's going on with this panel? Oh, cargo, cargo bay bulkheads are messed up again. Oh, why don't I take a look? I'll get it fixed for you. He looks at you incredulously. Uh, this is kind of my job. Oh, um, you know, um, I, I'm on, I'm on patrol right now, and um, how long is it going to take you to get it fixed? I don't know. It's going to take as long as it takes, I guess. Listen, um, I, I, I know this isn't, this isn't no coincidence. Uh, what's going on here? Well, it's no coincidence I'm here. Oh, you get a malfunction report, and I come out here to fix it. Of course, it's not a coincidence. They called me. Um, why don't you let me take a look here? Um, I'll investigate. Uh, you know what? With all uh, with all due respect, Tin Man, um, I can do my job. Uh, uh, can, can, can you now? Uh, what was your name now? My name? Bradley. Listen, Bradley. Um... I don't know if we've been formally introduced, but uh, I know about your little fights in the cargo bay, and uh, frankly, I have not been asked to uh, necessarily investigate, um, but you're impeding my progress here, and uh, I'd appreciate it if you just let me through. The door is sealed and stuck. I'm trying to open it right now. How am I supposed to just let you through? Uh, can I examine it? Uh, yeah, make a ComTech. Is that Wits as well? Wherever Wits it's located. Yep. <laughs> uh, I got one success. Okay, you kind of glance over his shoulder uh, with the wiring and stuff, and you can't really see anything that's wrong, but you do get the distinct feeling that he's not actually trying to fix it. He's just kind of pushing wires around and looking busy. Um... Listen, listen, Brad. Um, I, I think we got off on the wrong foot here. Um, why don't you just uh, go on, take a break? Uh, why don't you mosey on down the hallway, and uh, I'll keep watch here and make sure nobody messes with these wires. I am under orders to fix this door. I understand you're a security guy, whatever, security bot, you know, beep, bloop, bleep, whatever. Just... <laughs> Let me do my job, all right? You want to arrest me for something, then arrest me for something. Um, can I try and manipulate him to let me at the thing? Uh, sure. What okay. are you uh, What are you gonna do? What are you gonna say? Uh, so let me let me ask. So just just for for future reference. So if I want to do a skill like a skill, can I just try and do it, and then you're gonna have me roll, or do I say I want to do it and then do it? And then you got me roll. You know what I'm saying? Like right now, I'm saying. Uh, I have no idea what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm saying, I want to. When I want to. When I'm saying, I want to. I want to try and manipulate the guy. Okay. Um, How so? Um, I would like to convince him to go take a break. <laughs> okay. So, so I, but what I'm saying is, I don't. And I don't roll your manipulation. Okay. I'm Here. guessing you didn't get it. Nope. Right. <sighs> he just ignores you at this point. As. <laughs> People often ignore you, you know, being a synthetic. They just kind of pretend you're not there if they don't want to talk to you, unless you're being all authoritative. At this point, the lights above you go orange. You know, it's the orange alert. Doesn't really mean much for you, because you just keep patrolling, regardless of what's going on. But within 
30 seconds, the bulkhead doors have opened up and a stream of people come out of the cargo bay. Roughnecks, uh, Marines, pilots, a couple rush by you and you hear one turn to the other one and telling them that they should go get drunk. That's us. <laughs> and uh, Janitor's like, everybody. it looks like 20, 25% of the ship ended up in the cargo bay. Or whatever happened to be going on there. One of them, um, a young female roughneck, looks really fucking happy. <laughs> um, I'm going to continue on my patrol. All right. You continue your patrol. Meanwhile, back aboard the bridge. And yes, we will get to you, Jordy. Very mm-hmm. specific. Oh, you're good. You're still froze. Back aboard the bridge. Desiree Pepperwood. Thank you, yes. Ooh, my. Pepperwood. My buddy. <laughs> and Dr. Arthur Turing. Ooh. Oh. Ooh. Oh. Ooh, my. <laughs> Accidentally run into a grenade. What? <laughs> you can't be this annoyed with us this early on. You just can't. I refuse. Batted away with that. my cane. No, I just, yeah, like I said, two. I keep myself happy by the thought of killing you all oh. one by one. <laughs> Bring it. See if you can keep away from a British accent with Molly doing what? Oh my, I've lost an arm and I'm bleeding to death. Oh, this is tragic. Uh, oh no, I'll never get this stain out of this jacket. so hard to not do one. So you step aboard the bridge. There's a crew of eight that run the Chimera, including the captain and his first officer, the captain, one Aslan Tarek. Let's give a little description here. He is uh, generally clean-cut, always in uniform, tends to sport a little five o'clock shadow, black hair, black eyes, above-average height. He's a friendly guy, but still firm in his command. He tends to keep emotional distance from the rest of the crew and does not socialize outside of work hours. His motto, if you asked him, would be, if everyone does their job right, then I don't have to raise my voice. Personally, I prefer it that way. The other person, person you may be more familiar with because he's a lot more amiable to you than the captain, is Commander First Officer Desmond Davies. He is consistently very well-groomed, lean, black hair, blue eyes, has sort of a severe demeanor, an intense attention to protocol. He treats people as their ranks and not as individual people. And uh, he always, always addresses people by their rank and their last name. Unless it's the civilian. Very professional, I approve. Mm-hmm. And his uh, his motto, if you asked him, would be, you will refer to me as Commander Davies at all times. Failure to do so will result in disciplinary action. I have a question. Yeah. Why didn't we all get mottos? Honestly, uh, because I just made this up so I get an idea of my NPCs. But I think in the future, I, I want everybody to, I'm going to force everyone to create a motto. Yeah, I was thinking about, I was like actually that. thinking about it last night. I'm all, it's kind of a fun little thing. Why not? Reach for mind. the sky. <laughs> well, I know you all don't listen to Glass Cannon. I'm going on a little tangent right here. But one of the things that they do is they always ask wh- which actor is playing your character. And oh, so nice. they always come uh. up with, sometimes it's like, you know. It'll be like Edward Norton from this specific movie. And other times it'll be mm. like this actor you've never heard of that was like in two minutes of this one movie or whatever. They're like, they all, they're all like, uh, at least a couple of them like old theater people. And so it was what their I character looks fun. like. No, yeah. Like, like who, who's playing their character? Which actor's playing their character? Mine would be Paget Brewster would be playing Desiree. Which <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Paget Brewster, 100%. But Paget yeah. Brewster doing a Carrie Elwes impression. That's, that's the actor. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we can steal their gimmick. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> 
I just always thought that was lovely. Anyway, uh, Mrs. Pepperwood. Yes. Dr. Turing, you are on the ship. Mm. You walk in. <laughs> that is right. We are on, on a ship. You're on the bridge. Dr. Turing, we are on a ship. We're be in somewhere. space. <laughs> As you walk into the bridge of the ship, a.k.a. the dragon's head, the captain turns to you, says, welcome aboard. Uh, best take a seat, since this will take a few hours. But you know the drill. He kind of gestures to a couple of open seats. And then turns away from you and begins just watching the monitors. I remove a small handkerchief from my jacket pocket, like my front pocket, and I wipe off the seat before I sit down. <laughs> mm. All right. But then I, I take a seat. I make a <laughs> brief nodding gesture at Commander Davies and take my seat. As you're taking a seat, Commander Davies approaches you. Dr. Turing? Yes, that's your name. <laughs> it's right down here somewhere. Uh <laughs> He says, Miss Wincott, uh, or Miss Pepperwood. Oh, my God. Her well, name is not Wincott. Not she anymore. a divorcee. Okay. Respect the process. <laughs> I'll remember it eventually. Miss <laughs> Miss Pepperwood. You should remember a Pepperwood. A pleasure as you. always. Okay. Commander Davies. Commander Davies. I nod. He nods very stiffly. Like a soldier. I feel comfortable and in like company. So after a time, you can see on the monitors and so forth the blip of a shuttle being sent down to the surface of this planet to scout. Several hours pass, ship lands and people get out, the marine scouting crew goes out, and then you hear the chatter being relayed back. Something about old structures, bases of walls, metal, eventually... One of the Marines saying that the hill at the center of this giant valley that's been detected is artificial, though obviously not of human origin. It's a metal dome of some sort. And then they open the dome, and you can now see, as you're getting your video feeds fed up to you finally, the relays are being set up, you see the interior of this room and what appears to be some sort of large pillar inside. The pillar is about, it's about eight feet tall. Mmm. My, oh my. Seems like this mission might not be as fruitless as the last. So the... <laughs> sorry. I'm really sorry. Focus, Pepperwood. I'm so sorry. The uh, pillar is about eight feet tall. The base is a bit as big around as a small tree, though the top kind of bulges out, much like, uh, like a medieval mace. So there's like a long pillar, and then the top, two and a half feet of it, is just like a thicker cylinder set on top. There are ridges and bumps and protrusions all over it. Nothing that looks obviously like a button or a lever or anything like that, but the design would suggest that these lumps, bumps, and grooves have something to do with it. And the only thing about this pillar that even looks recognizable is that there is very obviously about six feet up, about a foot tall, that wraps around the entirety of the top cylinder of the pillar, but appears to be some sort of display. There's currently nothing displayed. But this is the pillar that you found. Apparently, the anomaly is actually an anomaly. Obviously, this is very important to both of you. Turing to discovering new alien technology and, of course, Miss Pepperwood to securing said technology and making it profitable. I am drooling a little bit, but just a little. You can't really tell. Slowly. <laughs> I want scans done as quickly as possible. 
Second, uh, I second that. Setting up the, we're going to be sitting down. Um, the atmosphere tense set up for some research as usual. Is there anything like immediately apparent about it? Like, can I make an observation? Yeah, roll like, can like... we make an observation roll to see if there's anything? Yeah, you're only getting the black and white feed on right, it. Right. Um, so we wouldn't notice much. I would say you can either do comtech or you can do observation, but you're going to lose two dice off this roll because of only having the black and white feed. So just roll. I got two sixes. Did you roll two dice less than you yeah, should? I did. Oh. It would have been seven. I rolled five. Just roll six. Okay. Six. Let's see, Doctor Turing. Uh, big whammy. <laughs> I got one, two sixes. We both got two thick things. All right. So you both kind of, like, the whole bridge crew kind of goes silent as they see this thing. Finally, after two years, this alien artifact, this whatever the fuck it is inside this alien dome. No idea what it's going to do. No idea if it's dangerous or not. But you're getting the feed off of a couple of Marines who have apparently been brave enough to sort of step inside this building and, and kind of circling this device. And it kind of, aside from differences in the protrusions and ridges and where they are, there's no like pattern to it. They're just all over the place. Uh, it's mostly uniform. Where the screen is, though, it definitely looks like it was made for someone much taller. I mean, because the screen is kind of sets above most of humans' heads or about right, right at eye level sort of a thing. Looks like it was probably meant to be a little bit lower. Uh, other than that, though, the, the dome itself is, appears to be completely without pattern or texture or anything. It's just a solid steel dome, just sort of perfect half, you know, half of a, uh, I say half circle, half Spheres. sphere. Thank you. There's a new one. There's a word for mm-hmm. that. Science! 3D circle. Yes. <laughs> a big round circle. <laughs> Wait, that's all. Everybody's stress level increases by one. <laughs> No, what you do notice, though, is as these Marines are circling, when they first approached the dome, it kind of, as they walked up to it, it just sort of split, like, you know, like double doors sliding open. And as they walk around the outside of the dome, whenever they get to certain points along the sides of the dome, it splits again, like there's doors there, like these automatic doors that keep coming up. And those door locations perfectly coincide to where the hallway are sort of the hallways are sort of outlined by the remains of the uh, the bases of the walls that are there from before. So it looks like this dome was meant to be approached from about five different directions or six different directions. Uh, other than that, you will really need to get down to the surface to do further examination. Is that something that we will be able to do? Uh, you probably not, okay. um, but they're definitely going to want Turing down there at some point. Turing, you know, they're definitely going to want you down there at some point. <laughs> I mean, we did send Dr. Ezra, and I could not think of a dumber scientist. <laughs> <laughs> Turing, you're so bad. <laughs> he went positively to... scandalous. <laughs> he graduated from Grenada, of all the places. <laughs> Might as well send a trained monkey down there. <laughs> Well, I'm sure that we would need our top people on it. I mean, it is a very, obviously, it's a very anomalous anomaly. Seems like we found some sort of structure. Our first chance we get, we should investigate. Yes, I agree. I mean, well, you should. I'll, I'll be here, of course, but because I have to be, not, not because I'm a coward. <clears throat> well, fear not, I shall keep you abreath of every situation we encounter, Miss Pepperwood. Thank you kindly, Mr. Turing. Dr. Turing, my apologies. <laughs> All right. 
So as you're watching this stuff. Okay, sorry. We're going to skip forward in time. Three days. By the way, full disclosure is the most fun I've ever had with a character. <laughs> like, ever. I, I absolutely love it. I love this. All right. So, three days have passed since the initial sighting of the first of the uh, anomaly. Uh, scouting and recon crews have gone down. They've set up these sort of uh, like atmospheric tents to do research in. You know, kind of setting up a camp outside of this large dome so they can study this pillar. However, three days have passed and uh, nothing's really happened. Tui, though your life has not changed, or your facsimile of life, you're just patrolling, as always. You're making your way down another hallway in the Chimera. It's been about the twelfth time you've done your circuit that day. Everything's been pretty calm. Everybody's very busy right now. Everyone's very excited with this news of this alien what-the-fuck thing that's like sitting on this planet. And all of a sudden, a call comes over your comm. You hear the voice of your boss, the chief of security, uh, Keiko Uchida. She says, uh, hey, Hal, you there? Yeah, I'm, I'm just patrolling. Well, you need to get yourself up to uh, the cryo sector, cryo-sleep sector. One of, another one of Troy's chickens escaped from the livestock pen. Um Kind of get, get up there before it causes too much damage, please. And honestly, Troy's feelings be damned. If you need to shoot the thing in the head, feel free to shoot the thing in the fucking head. I'm sure it'll come quietly, but if it comes down to that, I'll, I'll put the chicken down. All right. Now, Troy's chickens, which are affectionately referred to as Troikens. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> I really wish that we were on camera right now. That was the most amazing face ever. <laughs> uh, they're named, uh, there, is a, there is a taxonomic name for them, but they, everybody calls them Troikens because Lester Troy, he's the one who's charged of raising, breeding, and slaughtering them for mealtime. It's one of the, the livestock source that you have, so everybody gets fresh meat, which is nice, good morale booster. And coincidentally, they kind of taste like chicken. But what they are are these um, basically six and a half, seven foot tall chicken-like creatures, except they have, instead of, like, skinny little chicken legs, they have kind of, like, burly, beefy legs with these big-ass claws on the bottom, and their beak ends in a three... It's, like, a three-pronged beak, two on the top and then one coming up in the middle from the underside. Contrary to the way they look, they're not predatory animals. You pick them up on a planet that you kind of swung by that was... Sort of almost like a Jurassic world. Uh, very hostile jungle world. Uh, the type of place that's habitable, mostly, for humans, if you had a whole lot of money and could set up and secure the perimeter because everything on the planet's trying to kill you. You did manage to secure these things, and because they breed asexually, you're able to basically keep them going and use them as a food source. However, they do tend to break out every once in a while, and they do tend to get into the electrics because they like to rip the wires out of the walls and use them to create nests. And they're stubbornly uh, resistant to electricity, so they don't, you know, knock themselves out or fry themselves while they're doing this. So, Hal, or sorry, 2E, you head up to the cryo chamber looking for Troy's lost chicken. Egg, you are wandering down the halls of the Chimera, and... You're currently walking through the corridor that contains the rooms which house the cryo-sleep cryo chambers. Coincidentally. 
The lights in the hall begin flickering. You hear an alarm sound from one of the cryo rooms, along with a pole. You can see a pulsing red light coming through the doorway. Meanwhile, Theodore Teddy Ezra, son of Dr. Norman Ezra, the unfortunate bearer of a rare genetic condition which causes his lifespan to be much shorter than the average person. In fact, he only has an estimated two years left to live. Thus, his father keeps him in cryosleep while researching a potential answer to Teddy's life-threatening problem. Teddy, would you like to uh, describe yourself? Teddy Theodore Ezra is 11 years old. He is 4'2", like 72 pounds. He's got blue eyes. Uh, He's got shoulder-length curly-ass hair. Uh, Usually he's wearing one of the hibernation suits, but if he's out long enough, he's overalls, oversized bomber jacket that was his mom's, and carries around his teddy bear. All right. So you wake up. Your cryopod has been opened. Uh, You're a bit confused at first because your father is nowhere to be seen and your father's always there when you're woken up. Add to that, the lights in the room have gone out and only the red emergency lights are on, kind of flashing, and there's an alarm sounding. Uh, Do you have any ComTech for Teddy? Mm -mm. No, okay. You're not quite sure what's going on. Then you notice a sound coming from the other side of the sort of regulator. These cryopods are organized in sort of a circle around a regulator that monitors and makes them work. You hear something coming from the other side of this thing. Like a like a growling or something. And then you hear something being torn apart and you see sparks showering up from behind it. What do you do? Um... I try to get out of the bed quickly and quietly. Okay, uh, so you're trying for some stealth? Make a mobility check. Two successes. Alright, you slowly creep out of your bed, careful not to make a sound. And then, as you're getting out, you kind of can start to see around the center of this cryoregulator. And you see a very large chicken-like creature with a three-pronged beak. It appears to be ripping into the side of the cryoregulator and pulling out all the wires. You know what this is. You've probably been walked, you know, your father's walked you by and showed you. This is the resident uh, food source, livestock food source aboard the Chimera. Uh, apparently one has found its way out and is currently destroying uh, the cryoregulator. It has not noticed you yet. However, you are going to take one stress level. Um... I'm going to call out in a gentle tone to the large animal. All right. Uh, I will allow you to either do survival or manipulation. I'll do manipulation. Three successes. Three successes. All right. So you sort of call out to this creature, trying to show it that you're, you know, you're not threatening it. It looks over to you, it opens its beak for just a second, and then stares you in the eyes with its beady little giant chicken eyes, and then just goes back to picking up wires. At this point, its mouth full of these wires that it's yanked out of the machinery, goes trotting outside. I'm going to follow it. Okay. At this point, Egg, you are walking down the hall, and you see this red light flashing from a rune. And as you're approaching it, all of a sudden, you see one of these trichons, which you're familiar with, come out with a 
base full of wiring in its beak. Uh, you take one stress level because this thing towers over you. And I scream because it looks like a spaghetti, a Cthulhu spaghetti, flying spaghetti monster emu. All right, so you death. scream? I scream. All right. Uh, Teddy, you hear a scream coming from outside in the hall. Uh, the Troikan, also hearing the scream, immediately opens up its beak, dropping all the wires to the ground, and just starts going, ah, 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 like in a defensive mode. And it's like kind of pathetic wings that don't actually let it fly, kind of like flare up, its feathers up, trying to like appear bigger. Meanwhile, 2E, you're coming down uh, from the opposite end of the hall, and now you hear a scream, and then the sound of one of these giant chicken things, like, screeching. Um, let's move as fast as a dignified um, cowboy can move. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> you know, I'm not, like, sprinting, but I'm, like, I'm like booking it. All right. Uh, you hustle around the corner, and you see one of these things, these troikens towering over uh, the child you know as... Uh, Mr. Tui! Li- <laughs> Mr. Tui! <laughs> I'm gonna shoot it. I'm gonna be like, get get behind me. Uh, she is on the other side of it. Oh, um, I'm gonna charge it. Okay, what exactly are you gonna do to it? Uh, I'm gonna shove it and get between it and the child. All right, make a um, like kind of like run by it and just like you know what I mean, like not let it. Yeah, make a close combat roll. I want to clarify that it's more of like a startled, like ah, not like a. Oh. Wouldn't you be startled if you saw oh. that? One success. All right. You run up, kind of push this thing out of the way. Uh, it bounces away from you backwards, kind of like hopping along backwards. Its giant claws, which in its own environment were meant for climbing trees, screech and scratch across the metal ground. Uh, also, keep in mind, y'all have seen alien, aliens, so forth and so on. Starships are meant to are built to be practical, so they're not clean and shiny like, say, the inside of you know the Enterprise or something like that. So, what you have are like long stretches of solid steel ground, and then the grates that break it up so that you always have access above or below. Mm-hmm. This creature bouncing back gets its long claws caught in one of these grates and immediately begins to panic and starts bouncing and like lifting this grate out, which is just continually clanging and clanging and clanging. Teddy. Uh, you hear all this shit going down <laughs> as you are like making your way towards the door. What do you do? You're scaring it. You're scaring it. It's scaring me. I step out the door to assess the situation. All right. As you step out the door to the right of you, you see a child. A child you have not met, but you know there was an, one other child aboard the ship. And you see... Uh, the uh, what you could presume is the synthetic due to the way that it's dressed. Um, you've heard of that as well. Most mm-hmm. of these people you've never met, you just heard heard of from your father. And to your left, uh, with a couple of its claws stuck in one of these ground grates, is the giant trichin. Um, gonna pull out of my pocket some of my fishing line, and I'm gonna lean down and wrap some of the wires up with it. Okay. And I begin to jiggle the fishing line to try to entice the bird. Okay, where are you trying to entice it? Away from the two people? Uh, as it stands, they're on your yeah, right. they're on the left. And it's on the right. left, and you're kind of between the two of them. 
I'm just gonna like wave my hand at them to like start walking down the hallway, or is this like a dead end? Uh, no, it's a complete okay. hallway. No, I'll just like wave my hand and I'll just like start walking and see if I can't get it to move or calm down or get interested in the wires. Okay. Two uh, E and Egg, what are you doing? You see this child come out, a child that the two of you have only ever seen in cryostasis, is now awake for some reason. I'm gonna draw my magnum. <laughs> All right, you pull out your big gun. Um, do I? I probably know the name of the child. What was the child's name? Uh, it is Norman Ezra's son, Theodore. Um, Theodore Ezra, stand aside. I'll I'll handle this. I don't think firing that in the cryo bay is advised, and I don't think my father would be too happy to hear about it either. I've I've been given authorization. Uh, this creature is quite dangerous. I have a feeling if any one of the security guards knew what was going on right now, it would supersede that since there are two children present. Um, yes, that's the reason for this uh, action being necessary. I'm going to try to manipulate him. I'm going to try to manipulate <laughs> I'm going to shoot. Uh, okay, hold on. Uh, make the manipulation versus yours. You're going to roll your manipulation, and you're trying to can- basically whoever gets the most successes. Um, I don't get any bonuses for resisting. Uh, nope, it's just manipulation versus manipulation. Okay. All right. The kid seems to know what he's talking about. <laughs> oh uh, I am. I mean, his his father is one of the chief biological scientists. Yeah, but I have orders to keep the peace, and I was just told to put down the the chicken. Yeah, but the kid rolled better than you. So. <laughs> she yeah, also my, said my, to put my, the chicken my... down if she has to. Yeah, but there's no the thing's caught. Yeah. Well, uh, as it stands, do uh, I? So let me. What was let your? Me... Hold on, hold on. What was your manipulation to do exactly? You're trying to. You're trying to calm it down. No, you're trying to manipulate. I was trying to get e. him to put his weapon away. Okay. So you just you get the feeling that the kid knows what he's talking about. So you you halt. Yeah, and your action. I, I have to protect the humans. I mean, I can't. You know what I mean? Like, yes, but you're also being manipulated, which means that he's fooled you. Into, but not into putting my weapon away, into not killing the thing immediately. Yeah. Well, you you kind of lower your weapon. Okay. And giving the kid a minute, and if it looks dangerous, then you can take take back. All right. Egg, do you do anything? I start to gather my wits, and I'm like. And I say, Mr. Tui, no, no, don't shoot him. He's just scared. He scared me. I scared it. It's how it goes. We're all scared. Let's go. <laughs> all right. Uh, Teddy. I will now like to try to manipulate the silly bird. Okay. So you can use manipulation or survival. Either one. I will use survival. Wow. Two successes. All right. You kind of figured out, you know, what uh, what the creature wants using your knowledge, the you know, studying wildlife and so forth, and you know, watching reruns of uh, what's the alligator guy? <laughs> Steve Irwin. There <laughs> <Yeah>, you go. <laughs> you realize that this creature is just out looking for the stuff for its nest. So you get the wiring to the creature, picks it up, 
and then calms down a bit, manages to pry its claws out of this grate, and turns from the three of you and just kind of goes skittering down the hall, presumably back toward where it came from, or if it set up a different nest someplace else. What y'all doing? I guess we should probably follow him to make sure he gets home back, back home okay. I mean, yes, but uh, also, hi, who are you? (laughs) Nice to meet you. Hi, I'm Teddy. I mean, um, I've never met another kid. Don't know what to do. Little freaked out. Hi, do you like books? I suppose I haven't read in a while, but I like them. Okay, well, let's, uh, I'll, I'll tell you about my favorite one while we go follow this, um, Troikin? Troikin. 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 I'm going to put away my pistol. <sighs> why don't you, why don't you kids stay here? I'll, I'll take care of the beast. And I'll, uh, try and convince the children to remain. Okay, would you like to use a command roll to pull rank? Do you have any of that <laughs> that stuff? Uh, no, she's playing manipulation. Yeah. Okay, so I got no successes. All right. So you try to convince the children to stay back behind. The children get to make up their own minds on this. Okay. I don't know if I trust you enough not to get them back safely, so we'll come <laughs> along. <laughs> I'm following him. All right. Oh, kids. <laughs> and this is why Desiree hates them. This you are my arch rival, you tiny <laughs> manipulative. manipulative ass. <laughs> All right. So, 2E makes his way down the hall following this creature. And you realize quickly that it is trying to, like, people are walking down the hall and kind of go, oh, shit, and then ducking into rooms. And you realize that it's. It is literally just going right back to the pen where it came from after, you know, destroying a very expensive piece of equipment. Uh, we'll just corral it. All right. So you managed to kind of keep it from wandering off, uh, make sure it ends up back where it's supposed to be. And you see a very large, kind of wide-shouldered guy. Looks like he'd be at home on a farm, but he's wearing, you know, the suit of Phoenix Corporation as you approach the pen and he's standing outside and he looks over and you recognize Lester Troy. He says, oh, you brought her back. Well, that's great. All right. He reaches out toward the creature real quick and grabs it sort of like around the base of the neck and he pinches. And as he pinches, the creature's head kind of goes limp and it looks like it's kind of like nodding off like it's really tired or confused Vulcan death and he then he leads it back into the room as uh thanks there uh deputy deputy Tui, security guy i can take it from here yeah see that it remains contained please yeah we try they are sneaky i think they can smell when it's time for them to be butchered so they uh, try to escape Looks down at Egg. Looks down at Teddy. Huh, another two kids on the on the ship. Hmm. This is my new best friend. All right. <laughs> he turns and closes the doors behind him. <laughs> Three of you left in the hallway. All right. <laughs> 
I'm hungry. I am too. Do you like do do, do you like do you like eggs? I mean, they're they're big eggs. You've seen the chickens they come from. I don't think I've ever had one. I've mostly been on all sorts of supplements and regimented meal plans by my dad, but do, are they do good? You, I like them. They're good with ketchup. Do you want to go get some scrambled eggs? Where do we eat? Uh, let's go down to the dining the mess hall. hall. Okay, that works. <laughs> mess hall. The mess hall. One big ass cafeteria. Let's go see if we can get them to give us any early or late. What time is it? I don't know what time it is. I don't know what year it is. <laughs> I'm stuck. <laughs> I mean, Making fun of sick children. Wrong with you people. Imaginary sick children. It's like that he chose a sick child in an alien <laughs> campaign. To garner sympathy so that I don't kill him, but that's not going to work. <laughs> That's okay. I'm apparently going to kill him by trying to get him to eat eggs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm allergic <laughs> to everything. All right, you make your way down to the mess hall. Is Tui with us, or did he leave? I don't know. Tui, what are you doing? Um, I'll wander to the mess hall. Okay. Um, uh, I think I think uh, the two kids together is probably some trouble. All right. You also realize that uh, this child, Dr. Norman Ezra's son, is not supposed to be out of cryosleep. Unless explicitly brought out by the doctor. And so, uh, being that his cryopod is damaged, um, it is probably within your duties as the deputy chief of security to figure out a what to do with him next. Uh, inform his father what's going on or try to figure out if you should put him in a different cryo chamber. I mean, he has some sort of sickness. Um, I'll I'll radio to my my boss. Okay. You get security chief Uchida. She says, "Well, we'll send a message down to the surface and let Doctor Ezra know what's going on. Uh, got some maintenance people running up. Try to fix that cryo regulator. So hopefully, it won't be too long. Just uh, keep an eye on him. Until then, especially uh, the other one that." Uh, the Bowers kid. It's been known to. Um, oh wait, no, it's you, isn't it? It's uh, sorry, it's That's Teddy. Good. Especially Teddy. The few times he has been out of the cryo chambers, he's been known to get into trouble. I'd like to note that as this is happening, I have a little water gun and I'm like spritzing in between his crotch to make it look like he peed himself, even though I know he can't pee. <laughs> uh, you just made a new rival. <laughs> So, so you want me to babysit this kid? He's, he's a little tear. Uh, just. I wonder if he's even noticed that though. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm very observant. Just keep an eye on him for now. We'll get somebody more suited to the duty at some point. Duty out. Duty. Sorry. Duty. <laughs> 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 Maybe I should have played a child character. <laughs> So, um, Dr. Turing and uh, Miss Pepperwood, yes. uh, what exactly would you be doing? It's been three days. They've been examining it, uh, examining this pillar, setting up uh, sort of the base research facilities down there to start studying it. 
what would your course of action would be? Would you be hanging out on the bridge, like watching all the feeds? Would you be back in your chambers, like studying the information they're sending? I mean, what what would be your primary course I'd be of action? Pouring over the material, all the scientific observations that have come from the planet. I would be pouring over every single note and period and everything. Okay, so you're just examining data, examining yes. data, examining data. Yes. Would there be like a specific research team that would be actively analyzing the data brought up before uh you know it's compiled and sent to Turing like well, right now they're doing pre- preliminary scans and studies and so forth. Mm-hmm. And so basically as fast as the ground team can do something, they just send the information up raw. It's not really they're not mm-hmm. compiling anything I right now. I would be her go between and letting yeah. her like condensing all the information for Miss Pepperwood. Right. And I was thinking that I could also maybe be overseeing the research, but if the research is just being conducted on world and I'm not down there, you know, then yeah. I, I think actually I'm probably just I'm I'm reading and researching, looking into the data that Turing sends me after he has compiled and condensed and, you know, kind of mm. translated it into a language that I'm more familiar with. Okay. So we're uh, doing a lot of reading. I'm sure that's yeah. going to be like super action <laughs> Lots packed. of data entry. Lots of Microsoft Excel. <laughs> <laughs> Making charts and graphs. Graphs. And constantly losing your work because you forgot to save and accidentally turn <coughs> off autosave. Oh my. <laughs> oh my. Oh my. Auto save. <laughs> <laughs> so, as the kids are doing what they want to do, and a you. synthetic deputy cowboy following in their wake and making sure that they don't destroy anything. The two of you, Turing and Pepperwood, sitting in your respective quarters or in the lab pouring over this information something happens all of a sudden the ship like the lights start flashing and some alarms go off you're not quite sure why and then some alarm the alarms stop and those of you who are near your computers reading through all of this information you notice that your computers start sort of running themselves dr turing you notice that your computer just immediately begins as fast as it can process, flashing up data. And it seems to be as if someone is rapidly cycling through all of your data on the nanites. And it's just going through like every last bit of it, just chart after chart after documentation after documentation. Miss Pepperwood, your d- data also seems to be hit. All this company stuff, all this classified information that only you have privy to starts flashing up. And I want you to make an observation check real quick. Two successes. As uh, this information is sort of flashing by, you notice, uh, like you recognize most of what's going through. You've dealt with this stuff. This is company information. And then you see it hit something and there's a bit of a pause and then the screen kind of goes like tints red and you see a bunch of information coming up that you are not familiar with. It appears to be something that's classified even deeper than you are. And it just flash. You don't really get what it is. It just flashes by so fast as whatever is reading this is reading this. And then it goes back to your regular files. Um, so if I am the only representative of Phoenix Core on the ship, who would I report something like this to? 
What I would, I mean, who would I contact about? Okay, maybe, okay, never mind. Actually, hold on, sorry. Who would I contact about like a computer malfunction? Uh, tech, not, uh, like the tech crew. Oh my God. <laughs> this is why we can't have nice things. I'm sorry. <laughs> What's wrong with me today? For those of you listening, Ali just threw all of his oh, dice I'm everywhere. So tired today. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was listening and just holding the dice and squeezing them. Oh, I'm sorry. Exploded. So, could I get on the comm and contact the tech crew, or would I need to physically go down there? Uh, right now, everything appears to be kind of screwed up. Like, you try your comms and, like, nothing's okay. working. So I like, try... You try the wall comm and nothing's working. Uh, like, yeah. all the electronics of the ship seem to have just gone haywire for whatever reason. Okay, so I, after trying unsuccessfully to use the comm system a couple of times, I take off my fluffy bunny slippers that nobody knows I have, and I put on my actual shoes, and then I walk out toward uh, the, the what, whatever, wherever the people who deal with the computer technology the most on the ship. Okay, so you're trying to basically tech trying support. to find the IT guy. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to find the IT guy. Yeah. <laughs> Can I perform like a diagnostic on my like own computer when I see it like flash up? Uh, I, yeah, make a com tech. Because you might have like a personal laptop that's not hooked up to that. Yeah, that like whatever computer with. I'm working on, I run like a diagnostic on. Like, yeah. I got two successes. All right, so you start trying to like stop this thing or like figure out what's going on with it or fix it, and it's literally just locked you out. Like you have no way to access the computer. You try everything, shutting it down, a hard reboot. You come to the conclusion that the only way to stop this would literally be to power down the ship and restart it and hope it doesn't start up again. Like, have you tried turning it off and on again sort of situation? Mm. Although powering down the entire ship is incredibly different sort of <laughs> thing mm. to do altogether not mm. to use something you probably would not want to do as far as you can tell so something is accessing and basically going through all of the information on your terminal and like every computer around you same exact things being done to it well that's not good um i would immediately go to the bridge and right. start going there start going to the bridge all right you start scurrying towards the bridge Meanwhile, Egg and Teddy and Tui, Tui, you're keeping them out of trouble. Uh, you find yourself up near Teddy's father's lab. His father is elsewhere, along with the assistant. So the lab is being sort of watched by some junior scientists, but it's not really in use anymore because it's his uh, research that's done there. So it's just kind of quiet. And I believe that's where he left the, is that where he left the note in the mm -hmm. teddy bear? So you yep. see in there your teddy bear. Yeah. Along with the note. So did we ever make it down to the, the, what, mess hall? Yes, you've, yeah, we you've eaten. So, this is a little bit Since we were later. chilling out and like eating food, do we still have those uh, panic? Oh no, your stress levels have gone down. Yes. Okay. Thank you for reminding me. Um, so did you, did you, did you like the hot sauce or do you like the ketchup more? Because I like the ketchup. It's a little sweeter. I like the hot sauce, but it's kind of hurting my stomach. Oh, uh, well, maybe maybe that bear you told me about, maybe he'll make you feel better. Listen, listen. Um, <laughs> Teddy, I, I, know, I know it's really fun roaming around, um, but um, you have a, a serious illness, and 
we really need to get you back into cryo sleep. Um, I, I really need to keep an eye and make sure that your disease doesn't progress. Oh my geez, what's that? What d- disease? What disease? What I disease? Point behind where Hal is. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get him to look behind you. I have Okay. So what are you doing? The manipulation? I would. Would it be observation? Uh, yeah, I think this would be versus observation. <laughs> nope. <laughs> What'd you get? Nope. Nothing. He's got 11 dice to roll against Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, I've got three. Three. Okay, so... Well, Teddy tries to point behind you. What's that? It's very obviously a ploy to get you to look behind you. So for each extra success, I can ask a question to clarify. (laughs) (laughs) Clarify what? (laughs) So when he was trying to get me to look behind me, what what kind of thing was he trying to get me to, like like a clown or like a balloon or... I don't know. Was it obvious, Teddy? Or are you just pointing? No, I don't know. Sorry. I was just pointing in a general <laughs> All right. direction. All right. All right. Enough of your nonsense. <laughs> now, as you're in the bio lab, grabbing your teddy bear, the note, uh, the lights begin to flash, and the, all of the screens of the computers inside the bio lab light up, and you immediately see data flying across them. I would like each one of you can either do use a medical aid or you can do just straight observation. And a success is a success. Roll them up. Yes, any six is a success. One. All right, and which one do you use? Observation, observation. or? Okay. And I'm assuming two is using observation. Yep. And what is Teddy using? Observation. Okay. Did you get none? You look miserable. You roll 11 die and you roll, roll no. It happens. <laughs> Real observant there. <laughs> it's the most you can get in any skill. I can take my stress die and push a roll, right? Yep, you can roll. push a roll by taking a stress level and adding a stress die. So you Too bad you can't do that, robot. <laughs> Aren't you a robot? No, you're not a robot. No. <laughs> It's just diseased. Yeah. Oh. Nothing? Nope. All right. You, so you look over at this monitor, and you feel like something very important is happening, and you squint, and you really kind of push yourself, but you're just not getting it. You just see data, data, data. Tui, you look around you, and you just see malfunctioning computers. You're like, what the hell is going on? However, Egg, as you're looking, you kind of look over, and you look at one particular monitor, and you notice that the data seems to slow down just slightly uh, as it seems to be going into basically like submenus. And what you're seeing are you're seeing genetic data, you know, the basics of it, of creatures from Earth. You see an elephant. You see a giraffe. You see a monkey. You see a real chicken. A real chicken. But you see... Dragons are real these chicken. <laughs> They're sort of big, ugly, nasty chicken. (laughs) Only in taste. But it seems to be, uh, this one particular monitor seems to be sort of almost, you get this weird feeling that it's just paying attention more to these, uh, basically the genetic data of all of these creatures from Earth, which is, of course, stored on board the ship. 
you know, just as a matter of record. And as you're all sitting there, and as let's see, we got Turing running to the bridge. And as you're running to the bridge, uh, Miss Pepperwood uh, is looking around for an IT guy, but you realize that the activity <laughs> is crazy. Everybody's running here and there and, and like complaining about, you know, everything's on the fritz. Everything's on the fritz. So as Dr. Turing comes running down the hall, you see Desiree Pepperwood standing in the hallway, like trying to flag down someone to fix her computer. Desperately tapping her foot. <laughs> Manager. <laughs> <laughs> I need a tech genius. Uh, oh, Dr. Turing. Do I see him first or he sees me first? Uh, see each other at the same time. Doctor, doctor, something is terribly wrong. I tried to perform a diagnostic, but unfortunately it didn't work. I'm on my way to the bridge to inform everyone that this could possibly be an attack. Oh, might I accompany you? Of course. I, yeah. As we walk, we talk to each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's pertinent now. Uh, it appears as though we're being scanned by something. Yes, there was very confidential information on my computer that was certainly being peeped at by something. I can't, I can't tell what it is. But it's not right. It's not good. And I, I feel very concerned. I'll tell you that whatever can get through my diagnostic programs is nothing good. Make haste. Let's, let's quickly now. Barrel. <laughs> All right. You come through onto the bridge where the entire bridge crew seems quite alarmed. Uh, you can see all of their monitors are flickering as well. Just stuff going by. And the captain's just kind of leaning over uh, one of the stations there. Uh, looks like some sort of communications operator says, can we just shut it down? Can we just shut all of our computers down? And then you hear, coming over the radio from the surface, uh, yeah, yeah, whatever it's doing, it's not stopping. Uh, I don't know what's going on. The, the display's flickering. Um, it's, it's really... Uh, hold on. Hold on, it just stopped. And then all of a sudden, all the computers go back to normal. The captain kind of looks around, just finally notices that you're there. Oh, uh, uh, Miss Pepperwood, Dr. Turing, we appear to have just had some sort of alien um, virus or something. Need to figure it out. Uh, whatever's down there on the surface appears to not necessarily be inactive. Dr. Turn, I'm going to be sending you with the next shuttle down. You are going to be working hand-in-hand uh, -hand with uh, Dr. Ezra in order to decipher this thing and figure out what's going on. Maybe I can shed some insight on what that dumb scientist hasn't been able to discover. I should well, say, the files that uh, whatever it is down there on the surface we're looking at were incredibly confidential. Things that even even I... Well, I mean, I'm allowed to see them, but I choose not to. It's very sensitive information. We we have to find out who's doing this, who saw these files. We will be working on finding out what exactly happened. Uh, it looks like every system of our ship was scanned. Yeah, not a lot we can do about it now. I would like both of you to make an observation roll. One success. One success as well. All right. You notice that the captain, and you've noticed this more over the past couple of months, that he's just like the bags under his eyes seem to be getting deeper and deeper and deeper. You think maybe, just maybe, you smell a slight hint of whiskey. What is his name? His name is, let me look it up again. Aslan Turek. Aslan Turek. Turek? Tarek. Tarek, and he's the captain? Captain Tarek, yes. 
I lean in close, like uncomfortably close, and sniff him. He takes a step back from you. Captain Turk, have you been drinking? Of course not. I don't drink on duty. I probably just spilled something on myself. I squint. That's all. (laughs) (laughs) In either case, Dr. Turing, uh, make preparations to go down to the surface, get whatever equipment you need. Uh, We'll be moving you down there to look into what's going, and he's interrupted by another message from the surface. You hear someone, presumably a marine, on the open channel, screaming, all right, something really weird is is going on out here, and then you hear a scream, ah, fuck, fuck, okay, go, all right, get back to the ship, back to the ship. And that's where we're going to end this episode tonight. And you'll all get to find out what happens <laughs> later. Vinegar, no. I want to listen. Go I'm gonna talk those other guys into going in there, not me. I want to go back and watch the Zoo Books channel again. <laughs> what now? The Zoo Books channel. <laughs> <laughs> Zoo Books channel. All right. Uh, before we start making tons of my, uh, noise, putting away the dice, let's wrap this up. Um, thank you for listening. Let's see. We've got a Twitter thing. Romageddon at Romageddon. It's We've, all Romageddon. It's all Romageddon. All of it. Everything is Romageddon. Romageddon all the way down. Romageddon Twitter, all the way down. Our Instagram. Our uh, buy me a coffee if you want to go in and donate to name NPCs. Um, and upcoming our Discord, which we're working on right now. So that'll be groovy soon. Probably be posting links to that on Twitter or whatever. Whatever the social media things you're supposed to do, like with the media and the social. I'm also currently trying to convince Jason to join TikTok so that we can promote Romageddon there as well. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm too old to ban me from TikTok. But <laughs> I know a lot untrue. of people on TikTok that would take great offense to that statement, you fucking ageist. <laughs> anyway, Make thank a TikTok you. about it. Yeah. Right. Why don't you go talk about it? Anyway, I have been Jason. I have been the Game Master. I have been Molly. I, I still am. I was playing Desiree Pepperwood, not Wincott. I was once Ali, and I probably could be again, but I was playing Hal 2 second. I, I think I'm Mel. I don't know. <laughs> Egg? Something? Uh, I'm Sam, and I am always a little bit Arthur Turing on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> and I have been Jordy playing Little Petty. <laughs> Thank you for listening and uh, tune in next time when we find out what's all the screaming about. Screams. (laughs) Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Wiggling. Are you wiggling? No, no, no. I'm, hold on, it's real close. Okay, that's good. Now I feel like a cowboy. Teddy Elsewhere. Dr. Arthur Turing. Oh my. Listen, partner.
I'm going to need you to obey the law. Yeah, oh this is going to be a smorgasbord of good accents. Oh. <laughs> Miss Pepperwood. Already, already in pain. Two children, two humans, and an android. Sounds like a yeah. ABC Friday night TV show. Guys, birds aren't real. <laughs>